Hi, you're listening to Wildly Wealthy Women, the podcast for people who want to learn how to manifest the life of their dreams. My name is Sandy Forster, and I'm a mindset mentor and manifestation expert who's gone from welfare to millionaire, and I want to share my secrets with you. My intention is for you to discover your divine potential to be, do, and have anything your heart desires. So if you're looking to manifest more money, more joy, better relationships, a life you're passionate about, or anything that makes your heart sing, you are in the right place. Thank you so much for joining me today, and now let's begin. I'm a Hi, and welcome to My Millionaire Journey Part 1. This is Episode 20. Now, why am I doing this episode? Well, women around the world are always asking me how I went from welfare to millionaire, how I created success in my business and my life, and what were the practical steps I took, and what mindset techniques did I use? So in this podcast, which maybe over two episodes and maybe even three, depending on how long it takes and how much detail I end up giving you. But I just thought I'd pull back the curtain and show you behind the scenes of what I did to create millions of dollars and, you know, now be able to change so many lives around the world through my teachings, which is what I absolutely love to do. So the reason I'm doing this is so that you can see that it's not your past that determines your future. It's what you do in each present moment that has the power to transform your destiny. And I hope you can see from my very skilled and amazing talents, not, (laughs) that creating a life that you're truly passionate about is possible for anyone because I truly believe if I can do it, anyone can. So I hope this excites you, that it inspires you, that it encourages you to do whatever it takes to live your own dream. So let me go way back for my millionaire journey. As I said, this is part one. Now, I didn't ever think growing up, I want to have my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work for myself. That was not on the cards. That was not where my mindset was. But I have to say, I did like the idea of having my own money. So my very first paid gig (laughs) was when I was about five and I was walking on my grandfather's back. So he owned a junkyard and did lots of lifting of old junk. And so he had a bit of a bad back and he would get me to walk on his back and it just cracked all into place. And I love that job because I love balancing and it was just really cool to try and balance right down the middle of his spine and hear the crack, 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 crack. (laughs) And then my next job, oh, I love this one. It was in an ice cream factory. So that was my first ever real job. And I was, um, when I was 14, my parents decided to sell our house We lived in the coldest state in Australia, in Victoria, or one of the coldest states, and moved to Queensland, beautiful, sunny, warm Queensland. So what they decided to do was um, sell the house, take half the money and travel the world. 
And that's going to be a whole podcast on its own because when I say that, people think that I stayed in fancy hotels and, and you know, lived the high life. But uh, let me tell you, it was not like that. <laughs> but as I said, that's a whole podcast on its own. But when they said that we were going to be traveling, they said that I had to have my own money. So I got a job at the local ice cream factory for about three to four weeks before we left to go overseas, even though by law you were actually supposed to at the time be 15 to get a full-time job. But, you know, seriously, how good was that job? Oh, my gosh, that job, that job, that job was so, so good. Such a great job for someone who loved ice cream. So in the staff lunchroom, there was free ice cream, morning and afternoon tea, free ice cream. (laughs) And on the job, if an ice cream got a bit smooshed or didn't get in its wrapper properly, the ladies working alongside me gave me the ice creams to eat (laughs) because I loved ice cream so much. Great job. And my greatest memory from that time was Jaffa ice creams. Still to this day, I love chocolate and orange together. Delicious. And then, so you can see so far, don't really have the background for becoming an international best-selling author or speaker or, you know, any of the things that I've gone on to do. So just stick with me. Um, My next job was babysitting. I was about 15. So when we finished traveling and we came back to Australia and moved to beautiful, sunny, warm Queensland, I was in high school and... The job that I got was babysitting the next door neighbor's kids. That was really easy. I basically just put them to bed and then watched TV. And because it was next door, I just felt really safe and simple and easy. And I loved being able to watch TV and get paid for it. That was pretty cool. And then when I was 16, I got a job in the local pizza parlor. Now, I loved the beach, but my parents worked and I lived about 10 minutes drive away from uh, the beach and also where I started work. So in the summer holidays, I would live in a tent next to the beach with my best friend. Seriously cool stuff. I just, oh, it was amazing. Anyway, we used to go down the beach all day long and then late in the afternoon, it was time for work and we both worked at Puffin's Pizza Parlor, never on the same night because it wasn't that big a store, only needed one person. Um, And I loved that job for so many reasons. A, because it was after all day at the beach doing what we wanted. So that was really cool. And then I'd ride around three minutes on my bike to Puffin's Pizza and then just make a, you know, make and serve pizzas all night. It was only takeaway. There was no sit-ins. And then at the end of the night, I got to take home a free pizza. That's what I loved the most. (laughs) And the nights I didn't work, my best friend Mary worked, so she'd bring home a ham and pineapple pizza. So we ate pizza pretty much every night. Yummo. That was a great job. Loved that one too. Okay, so the next one was sewing shorts on consignment. So I loved sewing. I used to sew shorts for myself. Others liked them, so I sewed them and put them into a store down by the beach on consignment. But I have to say I didn't like that particular source of income because I remember going into the store and some of the shorts were gone and I'm thinking, yay, money in my pocket. But she said, no, someone stole them. So I didn't get paid. So that was no fun. (laughs) And then um, around that time, I actually dropped out of high school. So I did nothing for a very short time, probably only a couple of weeks because I, I like to do stuff. Okay. And I very luckily got a job in the local library. 
So I was 17. I got a job. I was covering books and sorting them and preparing them for the four libraries on the coast where we lived. And the best thing about that job was reading books, lots of books, reading, reading, reading books, 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 books. And I've fallen in love with books ever since. And the other thing I loved was working across from the beach. So I would get into my bikini at lunchtime, go down the beach, dive into the ocean, lay in the sun on my towel in the in the sunshine, fall asleep, and then wake up about five minutes before I had to go to work, jump back in the water, and then go back to work. <laughs> so I loved reading and the beach combined. Great job. Then things started to get interesting. I started... I used to go to exercise classes um, around that time at the local squash courts. They weren't really classes. It was more a girl would just tell us to bend or stretch. But because I went all the time, when she was away, they just asked me to fill in. And there was usually, I don't know, two or three people. It was it was nothing big deal. Um, I wasn't paid, but I was exercising. And, I mean, I loved exercising. And, and as I said, I was still working in the library. But the next thing that happened was someone put an ad in the paper for an aerobics instructor. Now, I rang up because I wanted to go to the classes because aerobic classes were new, but they didn't have an instructor. So I asked if I could be the instructor (laughs) because, you know, I'd done a few little exercises and the exercises I did at squash courts, they were not to music. They were not structured. It was just like, okay, let's bend forward and bounce on the ground. Okay, let's lie on your back and do some sit-ups. Like it was really just, you know, passing time in the gym. It wasn't even a gym. It was the upstairs of the squash courts. Anyway, so I I rang these people wanting to go to their aerobic classes. They didn't have an instructor, so I said I'd be the instructor. Now, they didn't end up actually starting these aerobic classes, but I started my own aerobic classes because I watched Jane Fonda videos and consumed as much as I could about exercise classes. So this is kind of my first step. Now, I wasn't doing this because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't doing this because I wanted to start my own amazing um, exercise business. I did it because I loved exercising. And so because I didn't know that much about, you know, creating exercise classes, etc. as I said, I consumed so much as I could about around Jane Fonda's videos and, and, you know, learned what I could about different ways to exercise, different moves to make. And so I ended up quitting my job at the library and I held these exercise classes in the Malulaba Surf Club, which was right on the beach. Beautiful, beautiful beach, beautiful view. And they became so popular that I quit my job at the library, as I said, and just did aerobics. Uh, three mornings a week and then two nights a week. And I used to get around 50 people or more in each class. It really grew really, really quickly. And then around that same time, the local newspaper asked me if I would do a column in the paper. Now, free advertising. I said, yes, sir, I will do that. Um, So then they would just take a photo of me doing an exercise and I would write up, you know, a very short little column about how I did the exercise, like how you how you had to do the exercise. So that was my own column in the local paper. Then the next thing I know, the local TV station, which had a Saturday morning exercise show called Shape Up, asked me to do segments for that. So I had my own show for 
I don't know how many sessions or how many segments, but it was quite a few. And they used to video me doing exercises and either by myself at various locations, um, down by the surf club, on the beach, um, near the yacht club, all these different places. And they also would do them at my actual aerobic classes. So Uh, there would be a handful of women that would want to be in this TV show and they would basically be there standing behind me following what I was doing. (laughs) I was actually watching videos of it the other day and it was like, oh, my gosh, there I am, Miss Aerobic Queen. And we used to to do exercises to, you know, Olivia Newton-John's Let's Get Physical and all those sorts of songs. It was really pretty cool. But what was happening at the time was that I needed leotards myself because there really wasn't a lot around. There was a lot of black with low um, legs and little cap sleeves and more black and more black and more black. It was very boring. So I started to buy some lycra and started sewing myself some gym wear. And then people wanted them. And then I started just selling one or two to, to friends and family. Um, and when I say one or two, it was literally one or two. It was hardly any. But then next thing that happened, a big gym franchise came along and they were looking for someone to be head of their aerobics department. And they sent out a woman that was part of the management team to check out all the aerobic classes on the Sunshine Coast, because by then a few had popped up. And they chose me to be the head of their aerobics department and also do promotions. Um, So we would do aerobic displays at shopping centres and pubs and fates and basically to try and get more members to the gym. And that was fabulous. I, I loved, loved, loved that job because it was a big chain. And so we had aerobics classes probably about 40 or so a week and I did a lot of them. Like I did a real lot of them because I was head, so I rostered myself on <laughs> all the time. Um, but it was great because I was getting paid to exercise and I just loved that feeling of being fit. It was so good. And then we even had during that time one of Australia's um, uh, football teams from Queensland come to the gym and my boyfriend at the time was actually in the team And it's funny because at the time, music was all played on tapes and you had to make your own tapes for your exercise sessions. And I had them all exercising, doing side bends and squats and running on the spot and high kicks and all the aerobic moves. And of course, a tape only has one side and then you have to stop and turn it over. So we're halfway through this session, which goes for an hour, and I stopped to turn over the tape. And they were all like, yay, start clapping and saying, thanks, Sandy, that was great. I said, no, 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 we're only halfway through. (laughs) And I flipped the tape and got them all back into it for another 30 minutes. And I nearly wiped them out, which was so funny because, you know, they were supposed to be some of Australia's fittest athletes. And I almost wiped them out with my aerobic session. (laughs) But the gym franchise itself closed, so I was out of a job. And then I needed more money. So I did a lot of different things. And again, I never sort of thought, oh, I want to build my empire doing whatever it was that I could do, which I didn't really know what I could do. I just wanted to make more money. So I became a cleaner. Hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated it. Still to this day, I hate cleaning. But when I do a job, I try and do it really good. And um, so I did. I went and cleaned. And I even had one lady say, where did you learn to clean? Because she thought I was such a good cleaner. Honestly, if she saw me in my own house, she would laugh. (laughs) 
I also did uh, leaflet delivery, so delivering promotional pamphlets into people's letterboxes. I guess it was junk mail, so sorry everyone for that. But I really did like that job again because I was getting paid to walk, getting paid to exercise. And as I said, I really did love exercising. Now, the next job didn't actually come to fruition. So so me and one of my girlfriends who had broken up with her boyfriend, she wanted to do something different. So she applied to be a cook on a sailing boat. And I went along with her. And it was these two French guys who were sailing their yacht back to, I can't remember exactly, I think it was French Polynesia, I think it was. And they were going to sail around Tahiti and do all these sorts of things. And I wasn't going for the job. I didn't want to go on the job. I was just there to keep my friend company and to make sure she wasn't kidnapped away on the high seas by two pirates. (laughs) But for some reason, they decided I should have the job. And as much as that sounded lovely, I said, no, thank you, because I get so seasick, like ridiculously seasick. And I would have been heaving the whole time. I can't think of anything worse. So that was a job that never actually happened. Now, can you see a theme? Okay, so we're, we're, you know, I've got a lot to, to get through still, but can you see a theme? I'm always getting jobs doing something I love. I, I really tried to always, I didn't, I didn't actually go out there and think, what do I love? Let me get a job at it. These jobs just seemed to come to me, things that really suited me, that I really enjoyed. And, you know, it just got better and better and better over the years. So my next job, at the same time, I did a, a number of jobs at the same time because some were morning jobs, some were afternoon jobs, some were night jobs. So one of the jobs was in a psychologist's office, which was really, really interesting. And that was just in the afternoons because he was a teacher. And so he just took patients privately in the afternoon. And I found that job really, really interesting. And it was interesting because we had more people always come around the full moon. It was always super busy around the full moon. And he said the moon actually affected our Um, the way we behave and and the way we react to things. So that was a bit interesting. So around that same time, I also had a job spray painting people on the beach. Now, when I mean spray painting, I don't mean paint. Let me explain. So there was a guy who wanted to start a business at the beach, hiring out umbrellas and spraying people with suntan lotion. So I love the beach, seemed like a fun gig. So I went along to apply. And it was at the, the pub at the beach, upstairs at the pub. They'd set everything up. They had all these video cameras and we had to go along in our bikinis and then they filmed us. Um, they actually took videos of us standing there, prancing around in our bikinis. We had to turn around. We had to do all these things. How embarrassing. I look back now and think, what the? Anyway, I got the job and I have to say that was a lot of fun, spending the day at the beach and getting paid for it. The only downside was you couldn't go for a swim whenever you wanted. (laughs) But um, that was a lot of fun. And around that same time, uh, just to make ends meet, I started night packing at the local supermarket. Now, it used to be after the store closed at around five o'clock at night. Uh, The night packers would, would all come in and fill the shelves again for the next day so everything was ready. And because I didn't do anything at night except watch TV, I loved that job because, again, I was being paid to exercise. You can see a theme here. I just loved exercising. I wish I loved exercising as much now as I did then. (laughs) I wish I looked now how I did then. Um, But, yeah, I was right into exercise 
big time. So the other thing I really loved was I loved learning the inside secrets of how the freshest food is always packed at the very back. And from that point onward, whenever I went shopping, I automatically reached to the very back of the shelves, the very back of everything, because that's where the freshest always is. So yeah, that was fun. Then, okay, so in my 30s, I started to get serious about making swim and gym wear. So then I had a little store where we set up sewing machines in the back of the store and I had a couple of girls working for me and we sold the swim and gym wear at the front of the store. And because Lycra was just hitting its stride and gym was all the rage and fluoro bikinis were hot stuff, the business started to take off. I started wholesaling to other gym and swimwear stores. I actually had an agent who went up and down the coast showing my range and getting orders. But then I got a phone call from one of the stores who'd placed an order wondering where it was. And, you know, what I found out (laughs) was that my agent was taking the finished orders, so all that work that we'd done, taking those finished orders, and had opened up his own store at another beach around 20 minutes away and was selling them and keeping all the money. And I only found out because I happened to drive past the store one weekend and was so excited to see all my stuff in the window, but I wasn't supplying to anyone in that area. And then I found out that it was my agent. So yeah, that was a big disaster. (laughs) But then I moved to a busier area and I opened up a store at Malulaba Beach. Really, really um, amazing tourist destination here on the Sunshine Coast where I live. And I was right into it for a couple of years. I designed and manufactured all the swimwear, supplied all the swimwear for the local swimwear parades that they used to have at the surf club. They had Australia Day parades. Back in the day, I think they actually even had wet T-shirt parades and my bikinis were in that. It was, yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. But anyway, and then I used to supply the bikinis and everything for local pubs for their bikini nights. And I entered into the Sunshine Coast Fashion Design Awards. Never, ever won anything. I think it was because my designs were amazing, but my finishing was pretty crap. (laughs) It didn't look that great, especially when I was doing one-off designs. It was different when we were making lots of things in bulk because I used to have you know, women do all the work. But when I was making one-off designs, I would do it all myself. And yeah, I'm not the best with detail. But then I got married and had a baby and it just got too hard. So I hired staff to run the store, but I found out that they were taking money out of the till. Not all of them, but one of them was taking money out of the till and then closing the shop whenever she felt like it. And yeah, I just, I was over it all. So I ended up closing the store. But what I did from that point was I would buy Lycra down at the discount store and all winter I'd sew my heart out and then I'd find an empty store over summer. And the reason that happened was I didn't realise at the time, but that was a law of attraction at work. So I didn't wait until summer to then find a shop and then sew. I just sewed all winter, just sewed and sewed and sewed, made lots and lots of stock, just knew I would have a shop over summer, even though Malulaba Esplanade was the busiest Esplanade, there was never one single empty shop. I always knew as soon as I wanted one, one would appear and it always did. So that was a law of attraction at work before I even knew about the law of attraction. So that worked really well for quite a few years and, and brought in lots of pocket money. Um, by this time, you know, as I said, I was married and we'd buy furniture for the house and get landscaping 
got a swimming pool, we'd go on holidays, do all sorts of fun stuff with with the pocket money that I made from my business. But when I had a three-year-old daughter and my son was just six months old, that's when my husband told me he wanted a divorce. So, I mean, as it turned out, that was um, a really good thing. But I realized at the time I had to turn my hobby, which was sewing, into an actual real business to support me and my children which was not a great idea. So I opened a factory, right? I I got a massive big overdraft. I opened a factory. I had a range of swim and gym wear and I was doing party plan and wholesaling to other stores and was manufacturing for other swimwear companies like um, Hot Curry and Finch, which were famous brands here in Australia, but it was not profitable. And I actually ended up on welfare after closing my hobby turned, you know, trying to turn into uh, normal swim and gym wear business. So yeah, that was a bit of a disaster. I mean, I love designing and sewing, or I did, I don't anymore, I'm so over it. Um, But I used to love designing and sewing, but I had no idea how to actually run a profitable business. So I ended up $100,000 in debt and on welfare. So that was no fun. Um, Also, over the years, I also attempted a few different multi-level marketing or network marketing or direct sales businesses, obviously not all at the same time, but there was a few different ones I tried. I tried skincare and essential oils and courses and seminars. And I have to say that that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me to prepare me for having my own business. Why is that? Well, because I really believe it taught me about sales. It taught me about the psychology of sales. It taught me um, the way people think. And, you know, I, I truly believe if you get into a good network marketing company, they usually have a very strong sales training component because the more you make, the more they make. And, you know, as you know, they'll teach you all that side of it, which is really, really helpful. So definitely if you're going to have your own business, if you ever, you know, have been in a network marketing company or or are thinking of joining one, take part in all their sales training, like really get into it because most of it is usually free because as I said, the more you make, the more they make. But I was never very successful at the whole network marketing thing, okay? Um, it was just not my cup of tea really. However, I remember about this time going out to lunch with some girlfriends at a place called The Boat Shed, a beautiful restaurant that was right on the river, uh, near the beach on the Sunshine Coast. It was at uh, Cotton Tree. Beautiful, beautiful food. And we had come to the lunch and it was the start of the very, very start of the year. It was January. And we had to say what we were going to do that year and what our goal or plan was and what we had in mind for our life that year. And when it was my turn to share, I said I was going to study the universe. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, this was also new, not only to me, but my friends had no idea. When I said I was going to study the universe, they thought I was going to study the planets, (laughs) the moon and the stars. And I had to try and explain what it was I was going to do. And to be honest, I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just remember seeing some course out there about the universe and how we relate to it and how we have our place in it and how our mind can create our world and all that sort of stuff. And I just remember thinking, that's what I want to do. And that was the year I actually discovered 
the law of attraction. That was a year that changed everything. And that really was the start of my journey from welfare to millionaire. So if you want to hear the juicy gossip of like literally starting with the law of attraction and how everything changed, I make sure you listen to episode number 21 where I'll share part two of my millionaire journey. So you can see that, you know, my history, my um, my working history, my, my business history, my jobs history really did not let me see or anyone else see what was in store for me, what the universe had in store, because all those things that I did, you know, night packing and working in an ice cream factory and babysitting and working in the pizza parlor and sewing and working in a library and teaching aerobics and being on a TV show and, you know, all those things, being a cleaner, leaflet delivery, spray painting people on the beach, night packing at the supermarket. Like, seriously, you would not think that any of that put me in the place of where I am now. So no matter what you have done to this point, no matter what experience you have, no matter what your job or business history is, just know that just like me, everything can turn around and you can create a business or a career that you're totally in love with and it can happen so quickly. You won't be able to believe it. It's like exciting stuff. So as I said, make sure you tune into episode 21, My Millionaire Journey, part two. Talk to you then. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you really loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I know that you're enjoying it. And if you want more good stuff from me, you can go to wildlywealthy.com forward slash links or just visit my website at wildlywealthy.com. I am so excited to be part of your transformation and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, happy manifesting. I'm a-